Welcome to the She Will Not Fall podcast, a space dedicated to women who are daring to reimagine and redefine their faith, their gift, their call, and how they present them to the world. I'm your host, Marielle, and as always, it is a pleasure to be back in this sacred space with you. I just want to tell y'all thank you. Uh, I took a couple of weeks off just with family things and some other obligations, but we are back. Y'all, we only have one more episode uh, that will be dropping next week, and then that will be the end of season one. I can't believe it, Um, but I just appreciate you for rocking with me all season. If this is your first episode, go catch up. Um, I think you will really enjoy the stories that we've been able to tell so far. Listen, if you're not following us on Instagram, could you go ahead and follow us at She Will Not Fall Collective? Again, She Will Not Fall Collective. If you would like to support the podcast financially, we'd love to have you over in the Patreon community. So you can go to patreon.com backslash I am Mariel T. And of course, another way to support the podcast that's free is to leave a review to rate the podcast. That really does help people find us uh, and for us to be able to, you know, expand to some other people who may not otherwise have found us. So you rating and reviewing the podcast is such a huge help. Listen, y'all, we got another amazing episode Um, This week, I talked to Rev Jazz. Um, Y'all, she is so wise beyond her years Um, and just so intuitive and reflective and just has such an amazing outlook. Um, And I'm really excited about her future and um, the things that she is going to be doing and working on. Um, I know you're going to enjoy this conversation uh, as much as I did. And I know you're going to get out of this conversation as much as I did. So like I say every week, I'm not going to delay any further. Sit back, relax, and let's hear this week why Rev Jazz will not fall. Well, Rev Jazz, I am excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat with you. Of course. So we started this space to basically, one, just support women and highlight the work that women are doing. And so um, around here, we just take from the social media trend how it started versus how it's going. So we always start with how it started. So that's your story. So just kind of walk us through your story and let us know a little bit more about who you are. Yeah. So um, how it started in ministry, yeah. Or, or just in general, because I in think general, it could be both. So like how you started just childhood and how you got into ministry. OK, yeah, I um. So how it started, I always um, talk a lot about the fact that I really am a product of the village in so many ways. Um, I grew up um, and what people would really consider the hood. <laughs> um, a, a major part of my experience is the experience that people rap about and that people show in movies. Um, and so it was imperative that I had some safety nets in the community. And so I really am a product of a lot of people who were invested in me and my siblings and invested in um, our family, whether it be some church folk or whether it be the neighbor that I stayed with when I was sick and home from school and my parents were working so they couldn't stay home with me when I was sick or um, or whether it be people that I just met along the way even after I left home. So I always um, am clear about the fact that a major part of my journey and how I 
came to accomplish some of the things that I've accomplished um, is a product of so many people choosing to invest in me and just being in the right place um, when I needed them. Um, in terms of ministry, um, which is actually probably like where my mind first went when you asked this question or when I knew that you asked this question, um, is that on the one hand, there was always a something, like a, a something that was there um, that I can't quite name, even in this moment, even at 27 years old at my big age, um, that I was aware of, um, even, even as a child, there was always like a sort of calling towards spirit, even before I was able to identify it as a ministerial calling or um, identify it as anything at all, really. Um, and it often looked like dreams that became reality later. It felt like an inner nudging when people in the community were about to transition um, and just kind of having a, a certain forewarning about those types of things. It was um, the urge to pray in the middle of the night, the urge to find meaning in, in the scriptures that I was reciting. And all of this was when I was too young or too inattentive to really be mindful um, of those things. It was just something that was there. Um, so there was always a something that was present, but bringing myself and my calling into formal practice, um, I would say really, um, really began as a pulling from the people in my village, which is why I always talk about how, how critical of a role they played. Um, like when I was in second grade, I will always get in trouble for talking too much. And even even in grad school, I had a professor who will always joke about how I talk a lot in class. Um, and when I was in second grade, I had a teacher whose name was Miss Brinkley. And I was talking a lot. She would send home notes every day. Um, but one day she closed all the blinds, closed the door, turned on some smoky Norfolk music and pulled out her holy oil. And she put the whole class in a, a prayer line and she put holy oil on my mouth and she prayed that I would speak when necessary, speak only truths and learn to be quiet when necessary. <laughs> and so. Um, um, so people like that, a member of my church, um, her name was Miss Claggan, who prayed over my possession of the Holy Spirit. And I must have been in middle or early high school at that time because she transitioned in, I think, 2011. Um, and then a woman named Reverend Copeland who called my mom. And this is really where that pivotal moment kind of happened uh, when Reverend Copeland called my mom and asked if I would preach for a Sunday school convention. This was before I had done any, you know, major ministerial work, had identified any calling. It was always just a, a thing that was there and people I've been able to identify that thing being there. Um, but but that was like the major pivotal moment where Reverend Copeland called my mom and asked if I would preach for this Sunday school convention. And on the way home from basketball practice, because that was my primary concern at that time, <laughs> um, just playing basketball. Right. My mom. Uh, mentioned it to me and I was like, okay, well, you could tell her call somebody else. No, thank you. I'm not interested. Um, I told them that I would read the scripture or or do something else like that. I'll do the call to worship. I didn't even want to pray, just something that I could read and, and keep it going, like keep pushing, like that's it. Um, but my mom was like, well, I already told her yes, so you need to go ahead and get ready and <laughs> prepare yourself um because because you're doing it now i already agreed on your behalf and that was really the beginning of a more formal ministerial journey 
um, that kind of transition from what I knew was there and what other people were able to identify and actually being a part of the, the process in a practical way. Um, and then after that, the practical piece just kind of snowballed. Um, I preached at one time and I was like, oh, well, I do hear God speaking and I know I do have something to say. And I, I am um, I am open to proclamation and I do have the gift of, of proclamation. And so um, after that, I preached a few more times. And then when I was in college, I formally began the process of being ordained. Mm, wow. So what I'm hearing is village is really important, number one. Um, and number two is sometimes people who are around you that are part of your village will see something about your destiny that you don't see it. Exactly. Because your mom's saying, nope, you're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, it wasn't me asking you, like, you're going to do this. Like, I'm just yeah. telling you. Like, <laughs> yeah. And it is so funny because even up to maybe last year, people were still calling my parents to ask about me um, preaching for somebody's service or, you know, something like that. And I have to tell my parents, stop agreeing to stuff on my behalf. <laughs> I am an adult now with responsibilities. And so these are obligations of my time that you you don't have, yeah. you can't be making them kind of obligations on my behalf. Um, but yeah, and so, but that is how deeply entrenched in community I have grown up to be and how deeply entrenched in community my family is that even at, my big age, folk will still call my parents and ask for me to come do something or me to um, come speak or, you know, be a part of some event. So, yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like you started early. So you were young. Um, were there any challenges for you um, because you were younger when you accepted this, this call, this responsibility, this gift? Like, do you feel like there were any challenges for you in navigating that space? Yeah, I think um, one of the one of the biggest things that I still kind of am like, man, how do I how do I write this? I guess quote unquote wrong, even though you know I was a child. Um, I think when you are called early and you're pulled into that calling at a young age. Um, there's a certain level of maturity that you don't yet have to fully operate in that calling. Um, so like I said, like I knew that there was something there, but for me, it was just another something there. And um, on the one hand, I'm very grateful for those who are in my village who identified it and spoke to that and, and pointed to it for me and helped guide me to that, um, to that space. On the other hand, I was um, self-righteous. To, to a degree, like there was this um, this idea of being set apart and, you know, I am, um, yeah, just, I think self-righteous is probably the best way to describe it. And that comes with just a lack of maturity um, in the call, like, okay, I'm called, I have this gift, I have this thing going on. Um, I'm more mature than my peers. I'm, you know, ahead of them spiritually, religiously, whatever the case may be. And, um and it kind of gave way to these very conservative and constrictive um, ideas and theologies about who God is and how God is at work in the world and how God is in relationship with us and who God is in relationship to us. And I think that presented a challenge and me really being open to the revelation of God. There was a time where, you know, when you're younger, 
it's like, okay, you're open to all revelation because everything's so new to you. Um, but when you get in, get to a place where you think you got it and you're, you're so certain, you're so much, you're so mature, um, it kind of stifles your ability to hear from God the way that you need to. And I think that I definitely went through a phase of feeling like I already got it. Um, and I know best. I know everything. Um, I'm so wise. I'm so mature. And all of the pe- all of the adults around me were affirming this maturity. And I was, and I want their approval as a kid. So, see, I think that was probably a, a major challenge. Um, but I will also say, um, yeah. So yeah, I'll just leave it there. I'll say that was that was probably a major challenge. No, and I think that's real. Like that's I've heard so many people. Who are younger ex- say the exact same thing you just said <laughs> so yeah. that's definitely real um like like i'll so say this talk- like oh go ahead. no go ahead. i think there was a little bit of delay a little bit of pause but but yeah like i'll like for a good example of of that um would be the very first sermon that i preach and it's on youtube but i always tell people don't look if you search my name don't look at my very first sermon um because it was so judgy and it was steeped in self-righteousness. And it was just so, I do not agree or align myself with any of the theologies that I held at that time. And it's just a matter of um, being juvenile. And so I think there was a little bit of clashing between um, the maturity I thought I possessed and the maturity I actually possessed. That makes Um, What are things, how have you, what are you passionate about right now? What do you feel like is the focus for you right now? Um, yeah, how are things going right now? Um, how are things going right now? I would say that things are going pretty well. My focus, uh, I, I am in a very transitional space. I, sh- I guess I should start there. Um, I just left a full-time job to enter into full-time ministry. The church that I'm currently serving is four and a half hours away from where I live. So I'm also in the process of moving uh, like from one geographic location to another, um, which also means reestablishing those social connections and reestablishing community. Um the, the community that that surrounds my ministry um, in a major way. So um, I'm in a very transitional space and that's that's how it's going, but it is going well. I am currently in the building phase with the church that I am um, that I'm serving. We, you know, like everybody else, went through the lull of the pandemic. And I inherited this church in the middle of the pan and in the middle of the pandemic. So in August of 2020. So the pandemic was a few months um, in when I got to them. So um, a large part of the work that I had to do in the beginning was just building relationships virtually. So how do I like many of my members um, for the first couple of months had only ever heard my voice on conference call or um mm-hmm had only ever seen me on Zoom or had only ever seen me on Facebook Live. And so a major part of that beginning period was how to connect with people who have never known me before um, when we're unable to be in person. And so there was a, and then there was a stop in ministry activity. And so there, there was almost no movement outside of 
Sunday morning worship and Wednesday night Bible study uh, taking place. And so um, even now we're still recovering from that lull, still pulling the people back in um, to a degree and also reestablishing what ministry will look like for us. Now, for me, any of my people will tell you um, that uh, there's a thing, there's a... Um, so there's a there's a rebuilding that's taking place, like a calling people back in and reestablishing what ministry looks like for us. And a lot of my people will tell you um, that Reverend Jazz is all about community, all about Afrocentric um, religiosity, all about what we do to bring our past into our now. What, how do we help spirit to transcend um, the past and bring that into our present? Um, and, and build community, put a footprint in the community. Um, our hashtag is hashtag to serve as our worship because that's a major part of um, who we are, and what we're trying to establish. And so building relationship with uh, community activists and those who are um, doing, doing the work on behalf of the community and within and alongside the community, not just on behalf of um, building relationship with local organizations who are trying to serve the community in tangible ways. Um, all of those, I said, those are my focuses. Even even today in the community that I'm in, though I'm transitioning out, um, had, a, had a meeting with the Sheriff's Department and the NAACP and saying, listen, what I'm seeing right now for your budget line items um, seem to serve only the police force, but y'all are supposed to be serving the public. You're supposed—I mean, you're supposed to be public servants, paid to um, to protect citizens, paid um, to, to to keep us safe. So, public safety and public protection should be evident in these budget line items. I don't see that, and that's a problem. So, like that type of work is the type of work that I'm um, that I'm interested in right now. Showing up um, to city council, um, yeah. So, when it comes to living out my faith in the world, I am really deeply committed to the idea that all of creation is an extension of God's spirit. And if that's true, then the more we spend time sitting with spirit and listening to the voice of spirit, all that we do should be an extension of that relationship. And so on the one hand, my faith being lived out is very public facing. And then on the other hand, there's a there's a major quietness that's taking place in my life right now, a major um, just sitting in contemplative spaces um, and just kind of keeping close to my very close network. Um, because I really do believe that how we love, what we give, how we do ministry, who we are is all an extension of our time spent with God or a lack thereof. And so um, I did. So, yeah, I, there's a there's a quiet and contemplative split, contemplative space that's taking place right now um, because I do believe that that quiet and contemplative space shapes the way we show up in the world. And so I am kind of in a bubble, even amid my public facing moments um, of just really spending time with God because I'm in such a transition period, transitional period, um, knowing that it's very necessary for me to remain grounded uh, as I make this transition and, and remain grounded so that I can continue to hear, hear the voice of God and, and feel the move of God and know in which direction the spirit is moving me. Um, because I do believe that how we love, what we give, how we do ministry, who we are, all of those things is, is an extension of our time spent with God or the lack thereof. And so, <clears throat> excuse me. So when it comes to how 
I'm expressing my faith journey, which I think was the question, is really a matter of contemplative spaces and a matter of everything I'm into being an extension of that time spent. Um, every every protest, every letter to the city council, every meeting with the local sheriff, every sermon, every time I lead my congregation in a service project, all of it um, is a matter of um, that quiet time being made manifest in, in my public facing moments. Yeah, what do you see ahead? So, you know, like, I think we always know kind of where we are, but I think that there's always a vision of, I see something further ahead. What do you feel like that may be for you? Like, what do you think is is future for you? Wow, uh, I feel like that's such a jam-packed question. Um, actually, because um, that, that question is so big. But um, yeah, like, because I actually had this conversation last week with one of my brothers in ministry, and I was just talking to him about how this transitional phase is also a moment of discernment for me. Um, because I have run for public office before, and I do feel a deep sense of calling in um, in the public sphere and in that space, but I'm not quite sure that God is calling me to hold office. Um, and maybe it is that God is calling me to hold office, but just not right now, um, or maybe just not in the areas that I'm, I'm living in because that's not my permanent space. And I have always been very clear about the type of area that I want to do ministry in, where I want to live. And, and truly it's a matter of wanting to be in spaces like the one I grew up in so that I can be for young girls like me or be for the community, what the community was to me, like a, a matter of um, a full cycle. The But the other part of that, the caveat to that is there are systems and structures in place that have to be deconstructed, that have to be dismantled, that have to be destroyed. And sometimes that means, and, and it's, it's a matter, not sometimes that means, so just scratch that, but it's a holding in tandem, um, meeting the immediate and tangible needs of the community that I'm in and knowing that there's a long-term project that must take place at the same time. And so when you ask where I see myself, I am praying for God's voice to lead me. And how do I do this work that I know is necessary, that I know I'm called to? I don't believe that all necessary work is my calling, but there is a necessary work in those spaces that I, I feel a deep sense of calling toward um, and that God has given me visions of that I have heard God's voice speak to. Um, but right now I cannot say exactly what that looks like maybe five years from now, maybe 10 years from now, um, because I'm still in that discerning process. We box that up and put that to the side because that's really a matter of um, spiritual discipline, I think. But there's also the very practical matter. I am a part of an institution. And so where I pastor is a matter is not a matter of personal choice as much as it's a matter of me trusting um, that the bishops and the presiding elders who are appointed over me are um, listening for the voice of God as well and are following the voice of God as well concerning me. And so there's a there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of elements that dictate where I'll be five or 10 years from now. But I am just praying that when I get there, um, that God will be there with me, that, that along the journey, I will be um, as deeply committed to um, spirit as I am now and that spirit will be as committed to me. I'll be, I hope I don't make God mad enough to stop talking to me. <laughs> that's, that's all I can say. Yes, <laughs> I hear that. I hear that. So with this transition, 
um, and then your work in the community, how are ways that people can support you, um, support the work that you are doing, support your ministry as you're making this transition? How can people support you? Um, I think that the more that we start to roll out different projects, like um, I'm a part of this project titled the Literacy Deliberation Initiative. Um, so the more we start to roll out these types of projects, um, if folk could give in those moments or be present in those moments, volunteer in those moments, that would be very helpful. Um, and I, I typically will post on my social media and I, I, I've given you my handles, I think. But um, but yeah, if, if people could you know share and support in those ways, that would be most helpful. Um, I know that there are um, ministry connections and ministry ties all over the place and, and people have many obligations in, in that arena. Um, but that's one way that people can be supportive. And I think also one thing that really fuels my journey is knowing that there are other people doing this work, even if they're doing it in a space that's distinctly different from mine or distinctly separate from mine. And so I just say to my neighbors, um, keep fighting, keep pushing, keep doing the work because ultimately um, it's gonna take a matter of all of us doing our part when and where we can um, until we're able to, to do that part, do our, do our part as a whole and as a collective. Um, so yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Are there any last words that you would like to leave with um, women who are either wrestling with, um, you know, their call or trying to figure out how do I fit into the world? Like, what am I supposed to do? Um, or who may just feel stuck or who may feel like they're by themselves, like they're out there trying to make it, trying to trying to do something and make a difference in this space, in their communities, and it's not getting anywhere. What would you mm -hmm. say? Is there anything that you would like to leave with them? Yeah. Um, I think it's very important that we remain true to who we are and where we believe God is calling us. Um, the work is going to be the work is often going to grieve us. Um, the work is also, you know, also sometimes going to be a challenge uh, for us because we're not just dealing with the work we've been called to, but we're also dealing with the hounds of misogyny and patriarchy that shows up to interrupt our work and silence our voices. Um, but I would encourage every woman who's, uh, who's in ministry to connect with other women in ministry who are just as serious about the work as you are, who are um, just as as interested in engaging with other women in ministry um, as you are, that are a safe space for other women in ministry. Um, connect with those women um, and, and have some prayer time, have some meditation time, do what you have to do to center yourself and remain grounded so that when you encounter those challenges, when you encounter that misogyny, when you encounter that patriarchy, when you encounter those moments that will grieve you, you know that the work is all divine still, that, that you are in the place that God has called you to be in. And if you're not, there will soon come a time that you are, that the journey is all divine. Um, and the work that you've been called to is all divine. Um, that's what I would say to the young women who are entering into ministry. Always be true to who you are and where you believe God has called you to be and connect with others who are also um, living into that authenticity. I love it. That's that's a word. So let me leave it right there. I want to thank you for you know sharing your heart and sharing your story and your journey. Um, I say it almost pretty much on every episode is 
that's what this space is for, is to encourage women who either have given up, feel like they're by themselves, or just need to hear what other women, their stories, like that, that's empowering. So thank you for being vulnerable. Um, and thank you for doing the work that you're doing. <laughs> it is needed. So we're grateful for you. Um, Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for creating this space. Um, I think it's important for us to be able to connect as women in ministry. Um, there's this idea that we we don't support one another or, you know, we're catty or whatever the case is like. No, we're not. <laughs> we, we do work together. We <laughs> we do ministry together. And so I'm grateful that you're creating this space, this this healthy space um, and a space to share. I think it's I think you're right about the importance of telling the story of women in ministry. Um, even as we continue to, to write the story, we're continuing to journey through the story. And so thank you for documenting this for others and creating a space for all of us to connect. Absolutely. Well, again, from my heart to yours, thank you. Um, and I'm really glad that I had you on the podcast. <laughs>